about doing the things we set out to do. Your hand of protection was upon us. Thank you, Father, for this time of fellowship on tonight. Thank you for our under shepherd. Thank you for how you're leading and guiding him and giving him to give what to give us. That we might walk in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. And so, Father, we thank you for this time of fellowship on tonight. Thank you for how you are speaking to our hearts. So we pray that you will just open up our hearts and our minds, that we might receive the engrafted word without wavering and without doubting, and give all of us this common testimony that it was good for us to have been here this night at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. We'll read tonight. Are you enjoying this session? The Lord is blessing us real good. Amen. I'm motivated. I sit sometimes I was sitting. Uh, the other day watching TV, I said, you know what? Let me get my book out and do my homework. Amen. Amen. I thank God for this. Thank God for Pastor. Thank God for Natasha. She's doing a great job of letting God use her to share the word of the Lord. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you might be perfect and entire, not wanting anything. All right, that's us um, Before we get started tonight, so tonight we're going to be looking at the session is about the patience of detours, how to wait on God, what are we supposed to do while we are waiting. Um, just for a quick review, um, do we have anybody new here? Everyone seems to be. Okay, so last week we spoke, we learned about the proof of detour. So how do we know we're on a God-ordained detour? And we learned the difference between a God-ordained detour and one that we take on our own. Um, and did everyone get to their assignments throughout the week? Did anyone complete all five? All right, a few of you out there. So I'm expecting to hear some feedback. But does anybody want to quickly share something that they gathered throughout the week when they were doing their assignment or from the session last week that they want to share with the group about the proof of detours, knowing when you're on a God-ordained detour and what happens when you're on a God-ordained detour? No? Okay, I have one. I've been on a detour, and I think everybody here kind of knows what my detour has been. But my husband um, is back now, but he was in federal prison. And um, as I was going through that situation, oftentimes asking God, like, how did, I, how did I end up here? And he just told me to focus on him. And while I was there, and one of the things that uh, Dr. Evans talked about is while you're on a God-ordained detour, sometimes, um, well, 
not all, sometimes, but God will put you in situations where you are to, able to minister to others that are in a similar situation. Amen. And so while I was on my detour, I'm sure and I'm not back on the main road yet, but as I was going through, I found a group of women, a group of women whose they were different than me. They came from different backgrounds. They were different races. But we all had the same thing in common. We had husbands who did something that wasn't so smart. <laughs> and they were dealing with the same thing. And so in turn, we had a chance to begin to pray together. We called ourselves the Prison Wives Club. And I was like, how did I get in this club? <laughs> But we would pray together, we would encourage each other, because it's something about someone who's going through the same thing at the same time. They knew which days were hard, which holidays were harder than other holidays. Um, and there's one woman in particular, some of them I may never see again, I may never talk again, but one of them is probably will be my friend for life. She's my sister. We went through it together. Our husbands went in uh, within a month of each other. Where'd he go? About a month of each other. And we had connected before the guys had gone in. And as they went in, we helped each other through the thing. So I was a little bit ahead. I was about a month ahead of her. So I would tell her, okay, well, this is going to happen next. And this is how you do this. And this is how you do that. And I had a chance to really meet with her, pray with her. And also I had opportunities. Other women who you know, was one young woman, her husband got a long sentence. They had a little baby, and they hadn't been married long, and I had opportunities to call her and check. I said, you can tell me the stuff you don't want to tell your family. Sometimes you don't want to tell your family all the stuff you're going through. But you tell a stranger, and who knows what it's like. Um, so I would talk to her and encourage her and pray with her. So when I was reading that part of last week's session, I was like, this is true. God put me in situations with people who were going through the same thing I was, that I didn't know previously in order, so, in order for me to be able to minister to them. So does, that, and that's my example of what, and what I really got out of last week's lesson. So now we're going to go into the patience of detours and how to wait on God. And this one's really hard. Knowing what to do while you're waiting can be very difficult and not trying to take over and wait on Jesus. So we're going to start the session, and then we'll go into the discussion after that. All right. When I've been detoured, I have often wondered, when will this end? It goes on and on and on, and I'm dying to reach my destination, but the detour just doesn't come to a conclusion. And I know you've been on your share of detours as well that don't end, and that's also true of the life of Joseph. He's getting delay after delay after delay, and he has to wait on God. But one of the great things today, GPS, there's a voice to guide you even when you're on a detour. And you and I have what Joseph has, God, giving you guidance during the detours of your life. When you have to wait on God, don't quit, don't stop. You keep going, listening for his guidance along the way, because when you do, you'll discover he knows where this detour is headed and how to link it in 
to the major direction for your future. Joseph, we saw him in jail and forgotten, having this uncertainty about what his future would be, even though he was a godly man. When you are on a detour, it's going to take you some extra time get to where you're trying to go. There's no possibility of having a detour without extending the journey. And detours are critical for development. Have you ever been at a, a red light that wouldn't change? <laughs> He's just waiting there on and on and on and on. You ever been at a, a doctor's office in a waiting room? And don't go to the emergency room. <laughs> because you just have to wait and you're often waiting in pain. Sometimes it feels like God has you idling in neutral. I mean, think of it. Joseph is in jail, in shackles, and every day is the same. It's the same thing every day. There's nothing exciting going on. There's nothing to emotionally praise God about. When you're in this waiting game with God, you want him to microwave it and he's into a crock pot. <laughs> you know, he's doing this slow simmer to the will of God. And I'm ready to go, God. I've been through this long enough. I was in a plane the other day and this thing kept circling. Just kept circling. And I'm wondering, are we ever going to land? Because sometimes detours are like that. Will this detour ever end? Because it goes on and on and on. So this is a good place in the life of Joseph and in the story and principle of detours to talk about the patience of detours. What does it mean to wait on God? Patience is great when other people need it. <laughs> but, but when you're telling me to be patient and, and people in the Bible struggled with this thing of waiting on God. Habakkuk, the whole three chapters. How long, oh Lord, how long? How long is it going to take for you to turn this thing around and make this situation right? How many tears will I have to cry 
much pain do I have to feel? How much uncertainty do I have to live with? It says that the cupbearer forgot him. And not for a day or weeks. It was going to be years in the making. <laughs> it's like the little boy who uh, he was praying for God to make it snow. He wanted it to snow for Christmas. He says, God, I'm trusting you to make it snow. No snow. Came back the next day. God, I told you I'm trusting you to make it snow. No snow. God, you don't want me to be an atheist, do you? Because sometimes when you call it on God and it does not snow, you question your belief system. And we can be all sadity and spiritually sophisticated, or we can tell the truth. How real is all this? Is it as real as I've been taught? And as I bleed, and that usually comes on a detour. If it's a short detour, no, but if, if it's a long detour, and then you thought you were going to be delivered, and it gets long again, uh-uh. <laughs> a man asked a boy one day who was fishing. He said, son, I see you're fishing. How many have you caught? The boy said, no, I'm just over here drowning worms. Because sometimes, no matter how long you hang out there, nothing biting. There is no God who shows up. And if the truth be told, even when you know God is real and Jesus is real and the Bible is true, it feels like he's bailed out on you. He's taken a nap, gone to sleep, gone on a vacation. He's resting and does not want to be disturbed. I like the pilot. He's flying the plane. All four engines went out. All four engines went out. He grabbed the parachute, went to the exit, told the folks, don't worry, I'm going for help. <laughs> and when that thing hurts, when that pain of patience hurts, it feels like God is dragging a rake over your soul because it's just anguish to wait on God when you don't know when the journey ends. Psalm 105 summarizes David's story. It's, a, it's in the psalm, but it's a summary of David's story. And I want you to pick up on one phrase and it's in the scenario I'm talking about now, this phrase pops up. Verse 17 of Psalm 105 says, He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons, watch this, until the time, here it is, until the time that his word came to pass the word of the Lord tested him Ooh. 
until his word, the word about his dream, came to pass. The Lord tested him, look at it, until the time. There is a time that God's word to you, for you, about you is going to come to pass when the test is over. It says, until the time the word of the Lord tested him. So the test was going to go until the time was finished. So what does it mean to wait on God? What does it mean to have biblical patience? Waiting on God simply means, here it is, not going outside of God to resolve the issue. Let me say that again. To have biblical patience, or the more popular phrase, to wait on God, it does not mean you do nothing. It means you do not go outside of God to do something. The temptation during the time of waiting, when God is moving too slow, is to take matters in your own hands, even if you have to disobey him to do it. The temptation in waiting is disobedience. Waiting involves time plus obedience equals biblical waiting. When you go outside of God to resolve it, watch this, you are cheating on the test. Ooh. Anybody ever been caught cheating in school? When you are caught cheating on the test, the, 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 the teacher is going to pick up the paper, tear the paper up, and you're going to have to do this over again because you're cheating on the test. You have done something illegitimate because you don't want to take this test any longer. That's why James chapter 5 Verses 7 to 12 tell you when you're going through a test and you're waiting on the Lord, do not complain. In fact, I'm going to turn there for a second because it's so poignant to the point that James brings out when it comes to this thing of, of waiting on God in James chapter 5. Verse 7, therefore, my, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. When he talks about the coming of the Lord, he's not talking about the second coming of Christ for his saints. He's talking about God's coming to intervene in your situation. Be patient. Don't complain as you wait for God to intervene, coming into your situation. You remember Israel? All through the wilderness, they are complaining. We want meat. We don't like manna. Where's the water? Where? They are complaining. And God was angry with them 
because God was trying to teach them to walk by faith, not by sight. So he'd do something over there, they'd forget about it, and they never learned that generation to walk by faith. Waiting means worshiping while you wait. To put it in Job's words, though he slay me, yet will I trust him, yet will I praise him from virgin to heaven. Worship while you wait. You know, you go to a restaurant, you got a waiter. What are their jobs? What's their job to do? To wait on you. Okay? But waiting on you means they're going to find out what you want. They're going to bring you the menu. They're going to answer your questions. They're going to serve your food. Waiting for the waiter doesn't mean doing nothing. It means serving you at the highest level so they can get the biggest tip. All right? You want the biggest tip from God? Be a good waiter. <laughs> Be a good waiter. Many in the Bible had to wait. Abraham and Sarah had to wait 25 years. Probably wouldn't have taken that long if they hadn't tried to intervene independently of God, which stretched out the testing period. Noah had to wait 120 years. He'd never seen rain before. It had never rained before. The earth was, ordered from, uh, was watered from beneath. He didn't know when it was going to rain. The Bible says he was a preacher in righteousness. So he's building a ship by day and he's preaching in the evening. It ain't that deep a sermon. It's a three-word sermon. It's going to rain. <laughs> it ain't that deep. <laughs> it's going to rain. Building a boat. Looking like a fool because he's building a boat on dry land when there's never been rain. A huge boat. A couple of football fields long. He's building this, he's building this huge boat. It's going to rain, it's going to rain, it's going to rain, it's going to rain. He had to believe God when there was nothing to see. That didn't mean he did nothing. That meant he worked on his boat. He did what God told him to do as he waited. And he did it in obedience. So people in the Bible had to wait. Because waiting, the word waiting meant to strand, uh, to to plait together uh, ropes, strands of ropes, tie them together so, until they were too strong to break. It means to hold on to God when God is all you've got to hold on to. Because on a detour, you don't know where you are and how long you're going to be there. You've got to hold on to God because he's all you've got when you don't know how long you're going to be there. I know Joseph is saying, I don't know what's going on here, given the story. I don't, I don't know what's going on here, God. This, this ain't right. It's not right. The feeling of disappointment. God knows what he's doing even when you think he's doing nothing. When God is silent, he is not still. He's working. You just don't see what he's doing. 
He's doing it behind the curtain of your circumstances. In fact, he may be pushing you on pause so he can go work on the destiny a little bit more. He'll pick you up, but he hasn't forgotten you. No, he's unclear. You, you know, you go to a doctor because you're hurting, you know, you're sick, something's wrong. He writes you a prescription. You don't know what in the world he wrote. In fact, if you can read what he wrote, he ain't a real doctor. prescriptions. Just, you just can't read that. You can't read what he wrote. You can't read what he signed. You know? You have to believe he knows what he's doing. You have to believe, based on that paper on the wall and what you know about him, that he knows what he is prescribing. And listen to me. You cannot look at what's happening with another brother or sister and make that your prescription. Okay, Because what you need in your life and what I need in my life is not the same thing. It doesn't take the same amount of time because it doesn't have the same goal because our destinations are different in terms of our purpose in history. So when Peter asked Jesus, what about John? What's going to happen to John? Jesus said in everyday language, none of your business. None of your business. You worry about Peter. Peter. So you can't use somebody else as a barometer for what God is doing with you. Nor can you get mad at somebody else because God promotes them before he promotes you. Because they're not you and you're not them. And he's got a plan for each of us to complete. And so, there is a purpose until the time. He didn't know when it was going to be. He just had to believe that it was going to be. What was taking so much time? God had some work to do with Pharaoh and he had some things to put in place that were not ready yet. God is about a kingdom program. You're a piece of that puzzle and you're not the whole puzzle and neither am I. And so God has to work with his program and with his people. He has a kingdom purpose, and guess what that purpose is? It was going to be not only to save his family, but to build a whole nation. He's, going, he, he's about building the nation. So if it was going to take me a couple extra years to do that, you got to wait. Because this is not just about you. You know, when you're in the Olympics, you're in the Olympics, um, and you win a gold medal, and you standing on the platform, guess what they don't ask you? They don't ask you, what's your favorite song? <laughs> and they don't say, Go on, what's your favorite song? Because you won the gold, let me play it. You know what they play? They play the national anthem of the United States of America because you were part of something bigger. You were representing a nation, not merely yourself. You were part of a kingdom. And that kingdom is bigger than you. If you have more than one child, you probably have one of those children who has on occasion thought this family's all about them. <laughs> uh, and you had to tell them, this is, this is, you know, you, this is not, you ain't only, you're not the only child. You know, you have brothers and sisters. So God is after, he's engaged in this kingdom plan, this nation building program. 
and he wants to show you something more than you can see right now. I, I, uh, I was on vacation. I was on vacation. Great vacation. I wake up two days into vacation, and I keel over in pain. I go, ah, I keel over in pain, three in the morning. I'm keeling over in pain. I wake up, Lois. I say, take me to the doctor. Take me to the doctor right now, right now, right now. And so, and so, you know, I, I never had pain like that. And so, I, I keeled over. They, she rushes me to the emergency room at three o'clock in the morning. I'm on vacation, you know, and, and they do all these X-rays and they say, "Excuse me, sir, we got to rush you into surgery. You have a kidney stone. It's too big to pass. We're gonna, we got, we got, we got to take you into surgery right now." They take me into surgery. I'm on vacation. I'm talking about vacation. <laughs> this is vacation now. They got to put a stint in me, so that's miserable. I'm, 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 so this is no longer a vacation, okay? I'm in a vacation spot without being able to vacate, okay? So I am miserable. It's, and then the doctor says to me, now you have that stone. I said, no, I don't, I don't, why do I have that stone? He said, I can tell you that. You don't drink a lot of water. You don't drink a lot of water, and as a result, this calcium is built up. You have this huge stone. So I had to go through a miserable, a miserable vacation, but one thing has come out of that. Me and water have a whole different relationship. <laughs> it was a growing experience for me because I never, ladies, I know how your pregnancy feels right now because that was just a miserable situation. God allows scenarios, even extended scenarios, in order to take us further than we would be without it. It's like the army sergeant who told his uh, soldiers to jump over this body of water. Most of them only made it halfway to two-thirds of a way. He said, gentlemen, you're not ready for, the, for this part of the army until you can jump all the way. They tried it again, but nobody, nobody was able to jump all the way. He then went and put an alligator in there. Everybody made it. Everybody made it. Because there's something about putting adversity in the midst of where you're trying to go that will make you go further, will force you to a higher level in God, in grace, and his provision for what he is about to bring in your life. Let me give you a principle. With your telephone, the longer it stays off the hook, the longer it's going to take to recharge. And the longer you do not, I do not grow in the patience of biblical waiting, the longer it's going to take for God to take us where he wants us to be. Because you will discover when you go there without God, it's not going to nearly be as pretty as it looked when you thought you had gotten free because you did it yourself. We have a statement, what goes around comes around. <laughs> That's true with God. When you get out too early, when you leave too early, you lose what God wants to do with your life. He had to wait in uncertainty, in disappointment, but in expectation because he held on to God. I love some of the great verses about waiting in the Bible, I'll mention two. Psalm 27. Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14 reads as follows. 
I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So he, talk, he, he expresses his faith. I believe I'm still going to see him in this life. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. How do you wait for him? By believing, even though he hasn't come through yet, if you're still here, he's still coming. He's still coming. And then probably the most famous verses on waiting on the Lord, Isaiah chapter 40. I love this passage because it, it brings it all home. The people were tired of waiting on God. They want to know, not where are you, where you at? So that's when you're getting down with the nitty gritty. Where you at, God? You're sophisticated when you say, where are you? Where you at? Come on, come on. They asserted in verse 27, why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who, does, who lacks might, he increases power. Though the youth grow weary and tired and, vigorously, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet they who wait for the Lord. What happens to them? They gain new strength. Okay, watch this now. They don't stop waiting. They find new strength while waiting. Follow that now. If you will biblically wait on the Lord, meaning not going outside of God to get your situation changed, but obeying him within the time frame he has you waiting, he says, while you wait, I will give you new strength. I will recharge your battery so the get up and go that's gotten up and gone returns like plugging your phone in to your charger. Your circumstance may not have changed but your strength level will. He says I will give you new strength. What kind of strength? New. Why is it new? Because it wasn't the strength that you had because that dissipated. See? What you had yesterday went last night. So you need something brand new today to, to get you going again. And then this is what I love. He says, I will give you this new strength in one of three ways. One, you will mount up with wings like eagles. Oh, you will mount up with wings like eagles. You've all seen eagles' wings, and what an eagle does is it stirs its nest. When it stirs its nest, it makes things uncomfortable for the eaglet. The reason the eagle makes things uncomfortable for the eaglet is to force the eaglet out of the nest so that it learns to fly. So it creates discomfort in order to create development. It wants to develop the eaglet into a flying eagle, but the eaglet is too comfortable and will not leave on its own. So the eagle stirs the nest and, and sticks the, the eaglet with, the, with branches and stuff to get it out. When it forces the eaglet out, the eaglet doesn't know how to fly. So it's trying its best to learn how to fly. The eagle, the eagle sees 
that the eaglet is not ready yet. It hadn't learned how to fly. So the eagle will spread its wings, will swoop down and catch the eaglet on its wing and deliver it back until it does it again and again and again and again until eaglet learns how to fly on its own. Sometimes God makes things so uncomfortable because he wants to teach us how to fly. But what he will do is because he doesn't want us to crash is he'll swoop down out of nowhere and pick us up and carry us back to the place we started until he's ready to try it again. That's eagle's wings. That's one way he gives you new strength. But there's a second way he gives you new strength. Because he says, you will run and not get tired. That's called in track a second wind. When you're running and you're getting out of breath, but if you're running with somebody who can run longer and stronger than you can, they start talking to you. Keep on. You can make it. We're going to get there. And they call it a second win, where your ability to keep going that you thought was not going to allow you to keep going forces you to cover territory you didn't think you can make it. Sometimes God just runs alongside you. See, eagle's wings, he catches you. But running, he just tracks alongside you. He speaks to you. That's when we're getting ready to quit and you go to church and you hear a sermon that was just for you. It looked like the preacher was only talking to you. You were the only one in the room. And you thought you were going to quit, give up. I'm going to come here the last time. And all of a sudden you say, I'm ready to go again. He brings that son. He brings my program that's on the radio and you hear it. And you get a word from God for that day. He, he does something. He brings somebody in your life, lets you see something that kicks you in the gear so you can run again. But then there's a third way he gives you new strength. It says, and they will walk and not become weary. Mm. Well, number three, you're too tired to run. You've been going too long. All you can do is walk. So all you can do is walk. What he does is he simply encourages you along the way. I, I, in Texas, we have the turkey trot. They have the turkey trot, and they have thousands of people who come doing Thanksgiving for the turkey trot. Well, I, I, got, I got a torn cartilage in my knee, so I can't run anymore. All I can do is walk. But there are a few other thousand folk who can't run either. And they're just walking too. And you know what we're doing? Me and my family, we go. We turn it into a time of fellowship. Koinonia. You know, we laughing and joking. And everybody running by us. Some of my members, hey, pastor, just running by me. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just walking. When I get to the end of the turkey trot, the runners, <laughs> I'm walking saying, hey, member. <laughs> I'm not weary because I, I, my, my, my knee won't let me run anymore. But there's just so much fellowship 
so much family that I can walk and still reach my destination and not be out of breath. Sometimes he swoops down and just picks you out of it. Other time he jogs alongside you and say, come on, come on, come on, no, you can go, don't quit now, you can make it. Sometimes it's just a stroll. It's just a stroll and it's just fellowship and you, you're not out of breath because you, you, you just can take one step at a time, one day at a time, and he leads you. You can get tired waiting on God, especially when he makes you wait when you thought he was going to let you go. But remember, until the time. A man one day was rushing to catch his plane. Rushing. Got to get my plane, got to get my plane, got to get my plane. He bumped into this man as he was rushing to his plane. Excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir. The man said, well, wait, were you, were you in a hurry? He said, yeah, my flight's going to take off. I'm going to miss it. He said, What's, what flight? He gave him the flight number. <laughs> the man said, hey, take it easy, I'm the pilot. I know we are in a hurry to catch our flight but if God's the pilot plane ain't going nowhere till he arrives God bless you How'd you like that one? Very good. I really enjoyed that one myself. Um, before we get started on the discussion, we're going to go over the answers to the fill-ins on the watch page, page 64. Okay, first one. There is a time that God, God's words to you is going to come to pass when the waiting on God means of God to the in, wait, in waiting is disobedience. Waiting on God means God Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped one. Waiting on God means to God God knows what he's doing even when you think he's doing nothing. God allows to take us then we would be without it. The longer we do not in the patience of the longer it's going to take for God to take us right where he wants us to be. All right. Okay, so we're going to get into the discussion portion so we can get out of here on time today. It says, have you ever, have you ever felt like God has you idling while you're in a detour? He talked about idling and neutral where you're just kind of stuck, kind of like on that hamster wheel, not going anywhere, not hearing anything. Does anyone have... Anything to share? Have you ever experienced that in on one of your detours? Well, I have. <laughs> um, 
And there were times, uh, Donald and I will be giving our testimony on the 23rd, and this fits so much into what we went through in the, over the last three and a half years. And there were just times when nothing, things went wrong and then nothing happened. Nothing was working, nothing was just going on and on and on. So there are times when you just feel like God ghosted. <laughs> like we didn't know, what he, I mean I knew he was there, but I couldn't hear him, I couldn't really see him, I just had to trust that he was there. So there are times where we're just idling and neutral, not really getting any forward movement and not any growth. Well. That depends on how you want to look at it. but um, Okay, have you ever questioned your faith while you're waiting in a life detour? Okay, anyone have an example or something they'd like to share? All right, you make me give all the examples today. All right. Mm-hmm. There were times I was just like really praying the prayer like God help my unbelief because I believe we we would believe for one thing and it wouldn't happen. And I didn't want to get discouraged and I didn't feel God saying anything really specific to me. I thought the one thing I was believing for was this specific thing and when that didn't come to pass. So there are times when we have to encourage ourselves and I, I literally would pray that, like, God, help my unbelief, because I did not want unbelief to take hold in my heart, even though things did not happen the way I thought they were going to happen. So, yes. Moving on to the next one. Uh, share, exam- share examples of people of the Bible who had to wait on God and how, they, how do they and their examples encourage you? Any any. It's a real, real co- common example of someone who had to, to wait on God. Abraham and Sarah. And what about Job? You know, he was in agony, in physical agony, Sister House.
sorry. Willie. assignment to be completed was in God's time, it wasn't in Moses. Because it seemed like the more Moses went to Pharaoh to tell him what God thus said the Lord, the worse things got for the children of Israel. <laughs> and it just seemed like the more Moses says, hey, let my people go. God said, let my people go. And it seemed like God didn't let them go. Mm -hmm. And he says, um, Moses tried this, he tried this, he said this, da, da, da. He said, no, I'm going to free the children of Israel, and you are going to be the messenger to tell Pharaoh to do that. But he did it in his own time, and it seemed like it got worse for them until God said, hey, now it's my time to make this happen. Exactly. Exactly. So sometimes, though, we want things to happen according to how we think they're supposed to happen. And when that doesn't happen, that's when all this starts. You start to have those feelings like God's not speaking or God's not moving or God's not doing it in the time I want to. So we have to learn that our timing is not, does not equal in an equation God's timing. <laughs> we are not God. And he mentioned in the video talking about it's not all about you. So God is working on all of us simultaneously trying to align all these things. So everything's not going to happen according to how Tasha thinks it should go or how Teresa thinks it should go. It's going to, he's, he's fitting all things together. You're just a piece of the puzzle. And like we need to get off of the idea that it's all about us and we're all, a piece of the puzzle fitted together to accomplish what God wants to happen in this world. And keep that, and you remember that, it's easier to get through it. Yes, Elder Williams. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, let's move on. What are some of the lessons you've learned about God when you're waiting? And we kind of touched a little bit on this already, but does anyone want to chime in? Any Teresa? Just waiting is the best way. <laughs> I, I, um, perfect example, when I was waiting to give Jessica a kidney, I wanted it done my way. I wanted to go into the kidney exchange program. I had read about it. I'm going to give a kidney to somebody in Boston. Somebody in Boston is going to give one to somebody in New York. And somebody in New York is going to give one to Jessica. And I just had this plan. And I'm sure God just laughed because it worked out perfectly, giving her what he had already prepared in my body, which was perfectly formed and the perfect size, perfect artery for her. Whereas <coughs> one hospital said, you can't. But he said, I can do anything I want. Yes. Amen. So. All right. Okay, we're going to move on along. Can someone get for me John 21, verses 20 through 
through 23 and read that out loud for us. Anyone have it? John 21, verses 20 through 23. So, like Peter, how, ha- how have you compared your season of waiting with someone else's? I know it's very easy, especially when we lose focus on God, to start looking at what God is doing in other people's lives and other people's giftings. Everyone's gifting is not the same. Everyone's timing is not the same. Everyone's journey is not the same. And some people, I'll just briefly just take a look at the life of Kobe Bryant. Some people could look and say he was destined to go further but God said not so he had accomplished what God had needed for him in this time on this earth so sometimes we can't live our lives comparing ourselves to others we have to live according and that's what we just spoke about it's not all about you and we should not be comparing our our journey our detours our destinations all of it is different we're all going different places and for where I go I need a certain amount of gas to drive to my destination, and you might need less gas. You might need more gas, you know. So you can't say everyone needs 10 gallons of gas to get to, to where we're going if we're all going different places. So you can't compare what, it's, what it takes to get to your destination to somebody else's because we all are different. Does anyone have an example? Or, or we'll move on from that one. Okay, what does Dr. Evans mean mean the longer we we do not grow in the practical the longer we do not grow in the patience of biblical waiting the longer it's going to take for God to take us where he wants us to be so that's to mean if we're not practicing biblical patience and not complaining worshiping while we're while we're waiting not trying to use our own brain to solve the problem and uh, sometimes with me what I like I think we're all programmed to figure things out this is the way we're made and with me and my journey when I would look too far down the road that's when I would get anxious I would get worried I would get and so what I would do to prevent that is I would got very myopic I was like get me through there were days I was like just get me through today I can't think about tomorrow. Let me get through today happy. That was my goal to have joy, not to be depressed, not to all these things. Get through today happy. And 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 be in align with what you want from my life. And so when we start getting ahead of ourselves, that's when we start our brain starts to do that thing where we are trying to figure things out and then we try to intervene and 
orchestrate that, manipulate that, and God's saying it might be just a simple fix to what you want, and you've created this. I mean, even the story of Teresa, it was there the whole time, but she had this whole elaborate method of solving the problem, so she thought. So sometimes we can't look too far ahead of where we're going. So sometimes we got to reel it back and kind of just look at your feet and say, step, 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 and you'll get there eventually. And so not distract ourselves with knowing what your brain will do, because your brain, your imagination, your human side of you will do that. Uh, Brother Woody? We have a tendency to complain when things just don't go our way and we're going to this, oh, it's me, why is it me attitude, you know. And God hears, you know, he hears that, but it's, it still doesn't affect him to the point of him not taking his time to do what he needs to do. Like he said, he works, his on, he works on his program and he also works with his people. He doesn't rush. Uh, we can crowd river tears or we can complain, you know, until the sun comes up and down. But he's still going to take his time to do what he needs to do for, for perfection. And that's one of the things I try to learn about complaining, you know, oh man, I got, you know, I got, I got, you know, instead of rejoicing and worshiping. Yes, Sister Carla. stuff that isn't even there <laughs> create obstacles and all sorts of stuff that is we're designed to fill in the gaps <laughs> and sometimes we have to go back to our god mind instead of have going our natural minds to stay on the path and that's kind of what i mean like you just gotta look forward right there where the light is shining on god for for you to, to know that you're going on the path that god wants you to be on um sister jackie My oldest one has just graduated from college last year, and she has a good job and whatever. And uh, in setting up her apartment, um, I said, let's go shopping. And Kishan was like, Mom, let her figure it out. She kind of, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I know where God has put me monetarily. I can help all my grandkids. So I'm like, come on. Uh, Abaya, let's go to the furniture store and her apartment, all she could have in there was a couch and a table. <laughs> so let's buy a table. Let's buy a uh, But you know what she did? She, what's that place uh, where she got her, her table? Offer up. Um, yeah, she got a $2,000 dining room set for $20. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she wanted uh, uh, a coffee table, aquarium, and if you look them up, they're like anywhere from $800 to $2,000. And she got one for $250. And I mean, I would have bought the one that was $2,000 because I want the best for my grandkids. 
but she's like, you know, I'll work it out. And, you know, and she'll call me because I'll tell her she'll be going through this thing and she gets emotional mm -hmm. once a month. I know y'all know what that is. <laughs> and uh, she'll call me crying and, and then she'll call me the next day. Mima, I prayed last night before I went to sleep and everything is better and God gave me a good idea. Mm -hmm. So I just can't go in there and I've even transferred her money. And she transfers it right back. <laughs> she could be preventing her from learning lessons and gaining skills by doing it for her that she needs to get through life. <laughs> so sometimes we have to let them just struggle and find their way. And that's how they gain the skills and the strength to be able to do it on their own. Sister Naomi. Uh, yes, last year. Trying to 
figure out how you're going to pay $330,000. It would have taken you on some de some other detour. And see, God keeps testing us over and over and over again until we get it right. That's, I mean, that's the problem. We keep, he's going, he wants to use it for something for his glory. And if we don't have it, um, I don't want to say perfected, but mastered, he can't trust us to go forward and do it if we're going to always go back and revert back to complaining or trying to figure out and do it ourselves. And how's he going to trust us to do something for him in his kingdom when we, we don't have the skills? <laughs> so we're in school, we're learning, we're, we're learning lessons and we're being tested. And those of us, all me included, that having to take the same test over and over again, get wise and say, okay, I need to, I need to figure this out. I need to me. People kept pushing me out of my comfort, comfort zone to do things that I don't normally do. And it kept coming. It kept happening to me. And I was like, okay, God, you want me to start to do this. You want me to start come outside of me and what's comfortable for me because I'm totally a behind-the-scenes kind of person. I'm happy there. And so I had to release what was comfortable for me and start to learn to do what's uncomfortable for me, and it's becoming more comfortable the more I do it. So I'm mastering. I'm not there yet, but I'm, ma I'm learning to master this skill because I believe God wants to use it for something. So um, we're going to have one, two more, and then we're going to three more, and then we're going to four more. <laughs> All right, we got to end this. <laughs> All right, keep everyone, you just keep it brief. We'll go ahead and start with Elder Rudy. distracted and off go off roading on on things that pop up uh, brother Brian the scripture is so clear about why we shouldn't worry in, in Matthew 634 it says this is new living translation I always read this it says so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries <laughs> today's trouble is enough for today. Amen. Yes. And when you park it for today, planning is not worrying, it's different. Some people, people think planning is worrying. But when you just park that trouble for today, they say, ah, tomorrow's going to be there. I, I've been living like that for all my life. But, <laughs> 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 it's, it's, it's a good practice and habit to develop. It really is. It'll help you. Uh, Sister Lynette. Uh, just for Naomi's testimony, God gave me uh, a dream, and I was reluctant to share, but 
God really wants us to trust him. And in my dream, um, there was a presence, and I was at the end of the road. I had nowhere to go, didn't know what to do. I was terrified. And God said, put your hand in my hand. Trust me. And there was nowhere to go. If I walked further, I was falling. And I said, okay, okay. And the, it wasn't an image I recognized, but it was a big presence. And there was a big hand. And I said, let me put my hand completely in your hand. And I grabbed a hold. And as I was about to step, I screamed, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't. And God said, I got you. And he took me over. And I thought I was going to have that terrified feeling of falling. But I had such peace. And I thought, oh my God, it's good. He's got me. And I hadn't experienced that kind of peace in my life. When you get stressed and you're at your wits end, you don't know where to turn. You don't know what to do, how you're going to get out of it. God said, just put your hand in my hand, and I've got you, and it's all good. So, yeah. so he talked, that's an ex excellent example, excellent example. He talked about it, that in the video. He talked about mounting on the wings of eagles, that God will come in and catch us before we reach the ground, basically. We push, you know, we get, put, we get put in a situation where we have to trust and step out, and he's there to catch us. He's there to hold us, to carry us over. And also there, he's there to run alongside us sometimes, and he, sometimes he's there to just to walk with us. So he's there in all situations, catching, running, walking. So just got to remember that when, we, when we're at that point where we need to trust. So, okay. Sister Pat, then Sister. I was going to say quickly um, uh, that uh, God knows the end before at the beginning. He knows the end. So like Net was saying, all God wants us to do is to trust him. I'm going to read two, two quick trips. Isaiah 46 and 10, New International Version. It says, I make know the end, I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do that, do all that I please. New Living Translation reads, Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. And that's key. And that's key, to, key to be able to walk, to to go on this detour, and using what we he talked about GPS. It's, it's God positioning system. We gotta trust the GPS, and the GPS knows where it's going, <laughs> and we don't. <laughs> trust your GPS. Don't go on, on, back to something that's familiar and pick a route that you know. I know how to get home. But the GPS is telling us to go this way, which is different than normal because it knows what's, what's ahead. It knows that there's an accident. It knows that there's a train and all these things. And so we have to trust the God positioning system. Trust your GPS. We're going to end with Sister Sandra and, Sandra, and then we're going to close out. Quick comment. Um, so it's, it's always great to 
no matter what the circumstances is, we always want to feel that peace that God gives us. What is a challenge for me is when someone who really, their belief, because we're all on different levels of belief and understanding and relationship, is when you say to them, keep your, you know, stay focused on God and pray and believe, and they're like, oh, you know, give me another answer kind of thing. <laughs> and that is like the biggest challenge, I think, for us because we know what to do, but there's a lot of people out there that don't have that understanding. And it requires us to really show them our faith because they, you, some, you know, the, the, our actions really speak louder than our words. And so when they call us for counsel and we, you know, we guide them to God, and they're like, oh, that's what you always say. Well, that's the best advice I can give you, but there's a lot of people like that. So, you know, that, that we requires... We have to continue. We have to keep doing it until, and not only to those who don't know God, but those of us who know God and don't, don't care to do some of the things, you know, there, there are times I had to really encourage my husband just to be still. You know, how many times I told him, Oh, you had your hand up three times? Okay. Uh, all right. I'm sorry. I'm ignoring you, sweetheart. All right. We'll have you, and then we'll have Brother Kevin, and Donald, and then we're really, we're going to go. <laughs> yes. We got to realize as Christians, you know, people that are standing for Christ, people are watching us. You are absolutely watching right. You are absolutely and we're correct. People are, they're watching us, and they're uh, they're examining us, and we're under a microscope, you know, so. Uh, uh, In all know. things, let's be good reflections of God, because that sometimes that's all people will ever see. They'll never crack a Bible open, but they will see your walk. They will see how you handle stuff. So that's very good, Brother Kevin. Yes. Okay. Our last one, I promise. I have been in a place in the last three and a half years where murmuring and complaining is very normal. <laughs> and it's very difficult to not let it infiltrate you and being the positive one. I'll share with somebody that when you try to tell someone that it's not this way, then they think that you're on the police side. That mm. The officers are the police. So then you're on the police side when you don't side with them. And I remember going through my experience, part of my experience was a major detour of 10 months in the hole in the shoe where I'm, up, I'm locked up for 23 hours a day unless I go out for an hour. So most of the time I was locked up 24 hours a day in the cell. And I remember just getting discouraged at times. You know, there's just sometimes you become human. I was getting discouraged. And I remember Sister Howe sent a word through Natasha Tell Donald to be still and just wait. And I'm pulling my hair out because y'all know I don't like to wait. And, um, but I'm reading my Bible. I'm, I'm doing everything. I'm, I'm listening because I don't have a TV or anything. I only have a radio. And I'm listening to my programs. And then I would get a, a card from Patricia Foster. And it would say, the battle is not yours. And then Natasha would call me and, you know, or 
doubt that I was I, I got I was victorious of that entire situation. I, I received word the other day. So it was the ultimate test in patience. And and the Lord's timing is not always your timing. And I'll just say, just piggyback on him, and I kept telling him, sometimes, though, you go through stuff, and God has to strip away everything from you. And I systematically watch God take one thing after another from him. Just little things we take for granted. Just It was just like almost like clockwork. It just ticked on down till he was left with just him in a room all day by himself in the silence. Systematically, God stripped away all the all the comforts you think you at least you could have while you're in prison. But all of the com he enjoyed favor the first season. It just it just one by one they just got stripped away. And God because I felt God wanted to for him to hear him. And he took away all other distractions where he had nothing else but to listen to God. Well he could he could have done something else, but because <laughs> um, lots of people there don't but in his life, he stripped away everything so that there was nothing else for him to listen to, to see, read. It, it was nothing. And God, God had to do that for him. That was part of his test. Um, so sometimes we got to go through those Job experiences, those Joseph experiences. So we're going to wrap up, get your offerings together, <laughs> let you guys go home. But this was a good session, everybody. I really enjoyed this. Um, next, next week, we'll be talking about the pardon of detours. So do your, do your lessons over the week. They really are enriching. Um, they're, they're, they really make you think about personal issues. Carla and I were discussing how some of the questions are like, mm -mm, I don't know if I want to write this down in the book. <laughs> <laughs> but do them, you know, even if you don't write it down, do, do, the, do the exercise of it. You know, you don't want to memorialize everything. Someone pick up your book and learn all about you. Um, but do, do the, sign, do the, do the <laughs> exercise because they are for your benefit, okay? All right. So.